You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even This is Al Martin, your hostess with the Mosis. Today, I have a guest, Tony Ayas, and Tony is the co-founder and CEO of, of Gemini Data. We're going to go into it, but let me first uh, welcome you to the podcast, Tony. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you very much for having me and giving me the opportunity. No, this is going to be fun. We'll, 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 we'll go every place here today. <laughs> this is more like talk soup, as, as I often say. So... Um, I, I, let's jump right in there. You're the co-founder of and CEO of Gemini Data, and you have you know deep experience with enterprise data, artificial intelligence, entrepreneurship. Uh, but I want you to describe yourself, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, this is your life, Tony, type deal. And then uh, you know I'll start breaking up. I want to talk about Gemini today. I want to talk about um, you know some of the experience you do have. What do you what do you think about overall data? Where do you think AI is going? We'll hit all those different areas. But first, I just want to hear about you and a little bit of your history. Yeah, thank you again. Uh, my history has just always been uh, deep in enterprise software for 20-plus uh, years. Um, I've always been very um, deep in, into new technologies or new enterprise software technologies that have been introduced into the market, um, starting back with uh, working with Microsoft Solutions, then uh, the most interesting part where I got a jump start was was when the application server was introduced to the market, which is the whole middleware market. Um, it was a company called uh, BEA and we had a product called WebLogic Server, which is now part of Oracle's middleware stack. Um, so that was really interesting to see that foundational period where web applications were coming live and fast forward to where we're at today and all the pros and cons of how uh, it's created in terms of challenges for, for enterprises out there. And also um, have experience in the in the APM space, application performance management. Uh, spent some time at a company called Wiley Technology, was acquired by CA, where what was the first lead company that started that APM space in terms of how to troubleshoot um, uh, performance management challenges when deploying uh, web applications. And uh, more relevant, uh, I was part of the first uh, twenty uh, uh, one employees at Splunk, where we introduced one of the first early. Uh, big data solutions um, into the market, uh, which is still one of the, the leaders. Um, so deep enterprise software experience, primarily around the challenges of data and either making it work, operate, operate or getting uh, answers from it uh, has been the core of my experience. Very good, very good. The only negative in there is uh, BEA and on top of Oracle. You know that I'm a, a DB2 informant zealot, but nobody's perfect, Tony. That's okay. <laughs> We get the web sphere as well, right? <laughs> so, so where are you from? Where Where do you currently uh, lay your head at right now? Um, I live in Marin County, but our company's located here in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, and we're about uh, ten minutes north of the Golden Gate, um, uh, and operate here as well as offices in, in Europe and in Asia. Nice, that's that's good country. Where were you originally from? I grew up in San Diego, so I had to follow the sunny weather from San Diego to the Bay Area, which if you're on the north side of the Bay, it's a little bit more sunnier, and some people don't get to experience this side, but there is uh, blue skies outside of the Bay Area if you happen to be unfortunate and be stuck in thick cloud when you're visiting for conferences. 
<laughs> but either way, you're a California kid. Correct. True. Very good. Um, so a couple things, and I'll, I'll back jump back into Gemini in a minute. But uh, I think you're a board member of Zoom Data, uh, which you know, via my research, calls itself the fastest visual analytics for for big data. Anything that you can elaborate there? Yeah, I think it's all about the fast visual analytics. Uh, there's so much information and data, and we've all heard about the five Vs, volume, variety, veracity, all those things that are out there. And the key challenge that, that Zoom Data is addressing is how fast can you visualize that data from a business intelligence perspective? Um, and that, that's been an interesting area to see where there's, there's a, a deep, deep need for understanding uh, what all this information um, uh, that uh, enterprises have collected comes together and what it means and how analysts or data scientists can, can use this information. Um, the BBI market is, is kind of in a transformative state right now because of how AI and machine learning are impacting uh, the way people go about um, analyzing their data, whether it be for security, whether it's for digital transformation. And BI is kind of at an interesting state right now where there's heavy, heavy reliance on using that, but there's a bigger challenge behind it where how do I actually make sure that the data that I am uh, presenting for analysis is the right data and how can I get access to it real quickly? And that's part of the, the uh, problem that we're trying to address here at Gemini. Okay, okay, I'll get to that. Does, uh, so did you stand up Zoom Data or are you just a board, board member thereafter? I'm actually um, one of the first angel investors in Zoom Data. Uh, helped it um, uh, from the perspective of the developing the go-to-market strategy and helping in the fundraise process as well. Um, so I've been with them from the beginning uh, when we were trying to introduce a, a new way of BI for uh, um, uh, visual analytics. Oh, very good. So, and you also, you know, looking through your um, resume, so to speak here, you're vice president at Splunk for se several years on the sales team. Is that correct? Correct. The, uh, I mean, so are you a sales guy? Are you a technical guy? Are you a data scientist? Uh, which persona are you? I'm somewhere between a, a product and sales guy. So, uh, you know, in, in blend of knowing enough about the technology and space, but the sales side really kicks in from the perspective of understanding customer pain. And that's why I'm excited to have my own company and take those experiences together to, to really knowing the customer pain and challenges they've had and, and helping build a solution to alleviate a lot of those concerns. So let's dive into your your own company then. Gemini Data, and I, as I was looking at uh, the website and different things about Gemini or doing my own research, you, you've characterized it as it provides autonomous data infrastructure to analyze, virtualize, and converge all enterprise data silos, dedicated to helping global customers simplify the data chaos, which that, 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 that rings well for this podcast in terms of making data simple. So. Uh, I, uh, I align with all of that, uh, but does that characterize Gemini well? And if it does, uh, then I want to start breaking some of those areas down. Yeah, I, I think it does a little bit in terms of how of our technology operates and uh, autonomous data infrastructure, as we call it, ADI, is a, is a core element of how we deliver our architecture and how it operates. Uh, but, but quite simply, Gemini operationalizes, connects, and transforms enterprise data uh, into knowledge for fast, ac actionable intelligence. And the, the key area for us to, to focus is on the f uh, areas where 
customers have invested heavily on big data platforms or they have other data silos and they're trying to either one extract information from these big data platforms or other data silos um, and then the second thing that they might be doing or a combination of the two is trying to connect the dots between this information because we're entering this this phase of where there's a lot of different platforms there's a lot of different silos and customers are really struggling on a, of where they've moved this data into a particular centralized platform. How do I actually gain value from that? And that, that's what we're trying to do when we say we're operationalizing and connecting uh, to transform the data. Uh, the autonomous data infrastructure is what we build from the perspective of using AI and ML libraries to work with the existing investments that customers have made, whether they have data in a data lake whether they have information in a Splunk um, data platform, um, or if they have just traditional data sources that are direct and native. The key is how, how do you actually extract this information uh, in a much more easier way versus trying to learn how to deploy those systems, uh, run complex queries that are each are customized or proprietary to the data platforms or environments that, uh, that uh, you purchased or using in your environment. How do you seamlessly unify those, uh, those different environments together, but provide a single way to analyze the information? So when you're talking autonomous data infrastructure, um, you know, can you dive down a little further into the technical specifics, meaning, you know, so if we're talking a data lake, if we're talking direct data sources, do you have a set of metadata that governs or is put across these different data sources so they're easily findable? I mean, so what does that exactly mean in terms of the, the solution that you're providing? Yeah, so, it, so kind of give a quick little context. So today, you have a lot of information that, that's sitting in, in silos. Again, as I mentioned, it's sitting in these big data platforms where uh, either it's in that or it's some sort of other data lake. And these things really require a lot of ETL um, and, and, and complicated ways to actually extract this information out of systems. And that, be, that becomes very, very complex, and let alone not to mention the expertise required to do that because, it is because we've moved the data from its direct sources into a centralized platform because that's the thing to do at a faster level to collect things like machine data in Splunk's case. Um, then you have other aspects where you've taken lots of different data and, and batch or other methods and directly put them into data lakes. Or you may have repositories that are just simply data warehouses that are sitting with, with tools. Well, each one of these different areas actually requires you to have a high level of expertise to extract information out of them. And there are people that do that today. But then the next level where the, the AI and ML kind of kick in is like, well, how do I apply machine learning to actually make sense of all these different integration points, right? Because machine learning ultimately is all about um, integration and how do I bring these different data sources together to actually take the best out of it and actually provide value into it. And from that perspective, it's really important for us to, to make sure that the, when you're using these different systems, you shouldn't have to learn about these different proprietary languages. Uh, you shouldn't have to worry about these uh, different query languages that are there. You should have a system that autonomously analyzes in information that brings it together um, uh, in, in a much more seamless way. And what we've done from the perspective of how we do this is we, we have two core elements is the converge and virtualize go together where we're actually allowing you to do leverage data virtualization directly at its source, whether it's a native direct source or whether it's sitting in a big data uh, environment. We actually allow you to virtualize that data or metadata, if you will, 
of exactly what it is that you need to do analysis and query on without moving that data and allowing you to then drop the data back in after we actually have the metadata that's relevant for, to connect the dots in terms of the, the query that's needed. And that's one of the key ways of uh, technology approaches that we're addressing this is that you no longer have to move the data around to get it to a certain place and normalize that information, but rather use the autonomous data infrastructure to actually extract it at its source, connect the dots, and make it available for the analysis that it's needed. When you have the ADI, is it a console that essentially virtual, does the virtualization and essentially hooks up the integration points in the background? I mean, is there like, for example, a Gemini console that does this? Yeah, we have a management console for that specific aspect of it. They'll actually tell you from where the resources, where the data is coming in, all the management that goes into it um, to, to actually see the resources and information that's coming together. Absolutely. Uh, but the other interface that we have on top of that is the ability to do a single query and extract information from all of those various different buckets that you have it connected to. And that's really powerful because on the back end, you have to unify the data. And when you unify it, then you have to actually have the ability to uh, go across and, and run the single query that, that's all ANSI SQL based that allows you to make sure that uh, you don't have to learn these proprietary languages or take six to 12 months of training in order to extract the information, but rather let the system figure out how to unify the data uh, and bring it together. And this is all done on a uh, modern architecture, open standards, and in and, and leveraging microservices uh, architecture to provide that flexibility uh, for organizations. And, and we're one of the first companies, you know, in regards to taking even big data platforms like Splunk and running it on these modern um, architectures uh, to provide much more management capabilities around that system, but as well as to extract the information from it. And if it's maybe sitting in uh, data sitting in an elastic environment, for example, in the open source uh, world, we can extract it from that. And as again mentioned before, it could be connected directly to the native source if you don't have an investment or don't care to make uh, move the data into these data platforms, uh, we can access it that way as well. And, and this is all designed from the ground up as a, as a very scalable distributed system uh, that, that, will, that will also leverage GPUs as we kind of enter that phase in the future as well. So define, if you wouldn't mind, virtualization. Because I think there's many industry definitions out there, particularly as it, as it, as it, as it, um, uh, as it's related to federa federation. You know, what's, what's your definition of virtualization? Uh, from our definition, there, there's two part of it. It's one is to you have to a process that can eliminate the uh, the ETL process or at least the the transform and load action from the data sources that's coming from. Right. This is requires you to connect not only the data relationships that that you're from the silos that you're bringing, but without the data movement and without recopying the data and moving it to another environment. That, that's the key part in terms of the data virtualization um, that, that's really critical in terms of extracting that information um, uh, from these different sources and, and automating the process. So bottom line is you, you've, so far you've got this, um, you've got the Gemini console, like pane of glass, virtualizes across various sources, which as you've outlined could be a data lake, could be warehouse, could be Splunk, could be um, any other silos. I mean, I presume there's many more that, that are supported. You bring it in, and then I presume then you do analytics on that, that data and or 
then take it a step further and do AI on that data? I mean, can you explain the, yeah. the following process? Sure. So, so the first step is, is connecting to that data, um, converging the different data sources together, layering the data virtualization where it can take that metadata and extract it and provide that value. And the next level is the analyze. So this is where you want to make the data accessible. Now, we have our own interface that can actually go in and provide the query capabilities and let you analyze the data directly from, from our um, interface. And as well as we, we leverage investigate, which is another feature in the product that allows you to see the relationship entities and relationships of the data you've actually collected. So it makes it easier for you to see, okay, these relationships are linked together, this data is linked together in a much more easier, simpler way. However, we also realize that a lot of customers today have invested a lot in BI visualization tools uh, that the business analyst or other users um, are used to the interfaces that they have, but their bigger problem is on the back end of how to get access to this data in a much more seamless way. So we actually have an integration with tools such as Tableau um, and, uh, and Zoom with Zoom Data as well that allow you to leverage that interface of a BI tool because what I think the challenge we have today is we're expecting the business analysts to also be enterprise architects and developers at the same time and security experts where their main job is they understand that line of business they're responsible for using the BI tools that's successful with them but they shouldn't be required to learn new proprietary languages. They should be able to know the basics of SQL and understanding how BI tools operate and let them get access to that information. So we make it very flexible from an interface that to use our way, which is fast and, and, and scalable, or if you prefer to use it, your own BI tool on top of it um, separately, we can do that too. What, um, so who, if you don't mind saying, I mean, who would be a competitor in this area and what, what a differentiation do you offer? There, uh, we fit in a couple of buckets. In terms of the one that the customers kind of compare us to is Palantir, um, you know, and a differentiation for us from that perspective is that Palantir is a great company, been around for a while, uh, built solutions to connect the spirit data sources. However, uh, they did this in a more customized services fashion. Uh, it's not completely productized. So what, what the advancements in technology where things have done in our experience in big data We've learned how to leverage these existing big data investments and how to bring it together. So we're providing a software and automated way um, to, to not only get access to disparate information, but then to link these relationships together in a fast, efficient way, leveraging software. Um, so so that, that's come in the, in, in the eyes of some of our customers that we've spoken to. Um, on the other end, you also have some companies in the, in the data management world that have been doing ETL, um, that are integration um, tools that are out there that try to fast track the ETL process. But at the end of the day, their architectures are, are not designed with, with today's modern requirements um, in mind. So it makes it really challenging for them to do it. And that's only kind of like a, the subset of, uh, of, of the ETL piece that we provide value in. So, uh, so, so it kind of summarizes some of the data management players out there some companies like uh, uh, Palantir that are, are trying to connect the disparate data, but again, do it in a services fashion and a much more longer process versus use, doing it as pure software. Do you always virtualize the data? I mean, is your solution set up to have multiple data sources and the, and the beauty of it is to converge all this in a, these enterprise data silos? 
do we need to do it all the time? I mean, that's one of those it depends questions, but ideally, yes. And this is kind of the reason why I'm excited to be a, a co-founder of the company, because when I spent a lot of time in the big data space and even saw uh, the process from Zoom Data, there was a huge, huge demand from customers that said, look, I have silos and silos of information. Our technical guys collected this information, put it together, and I don't know how to bring it together. And what they're trying to understand ultimately is that 80% of this information that I'm collecting, I think is probably not needed, uh, but the 20%, I wanted to figure out how to get to that 20%. So to me, the data virtualization is a layer uh, that, that helps in that, uh, that process because you can't just expect customers to keep moving data around from platform to platform and then finally find that needle in the haystack for them. You've got to leverage a little bit more of uh, uh, automation and uh, and all of the uh, the modern architectures and that, that are available today uh, they, again open standards because the other that's yeah, another factor in this is that when we talk to healthcare to financial services organization people aren't looking to invest in proprietary data platforms anymore they expect you to have an open standards where you are using components uh, a technology that are fairly open with of course your own customization and IP on top of it but that's as a result of the fact that they've been uh, challenged quite a bit by uh, the investments in these proprietary technologies where they thought they could get the answer of them but if you fast forward just even from between the evolution of when uh, big data really started in 2005 to now right that that's well beyond uh, 10 years of, of space between the lifespan that you can start looking back and saying yeah you know what maybe those those environments that we thought were modern are a little legacy and um, and I was talking to a colleague of mine today and we have this nice debate and saying, well a lot of these big data platforms are are really modern so why would you say that they're legacy I said well let's just simply look at the dates right it's, it's pretty well established 05 and a lot of big data platforms came on the market and you were by 2019 that that's a lot of years in between but I said the reason why people think that these environments are modern is because that's how complicated they have been. And just now people are really realizing either the challenges with it or maybe they figured out a way how to seamlessly collect information. And there are some that have done it with a lot of time and money and expertise thrown behind it. But it's been a huge challenge and people are just starting to wake up and saying, okay, how am I going to make this easier and more operational uh, than it has been? So I, I get the... Um... Look, it's kind of a, a motto that we've we've been driving or I've been driving as I lead hybrid data management here at uh, IBM, and that is, hey, no more ETL and get rid of ETL. So I think there's huge value in that, particularly when clients have so many disparate data sources. Hell, now they have data lakes upon data lakes. But my question here is, in terms of the virtualization, I mean, in some sense, and you know, a customer asked me this the other day. It sounds like it's too good to be true, and that I can just leave everything where it resides. There's got to be uh, drawbacks, or there's got to be a pros and cons, whether that's performance or the integrity of the data source that you you begin with. What do you see are the pros and cons? I mean, there, what are the cons of going with something like virtualization? Yeah, I, I think that performance is, a, is an impact of everywhere that people have to uh, consider uh, with, with how you're getting access because from our perspective, it works wherever the data is residing. So what do I mean by that? For example, if you have data on premise and you're trying to um, take that data and then move it to the cloud and trying to do the, the analysis that way, that, that's probably going to create some challenges around it. But if we actually work side by side with the data on premise, 
and it works, uh, it will work much more seamlessly from a performance perspective, or if the entire data set has been moved and migrated to the cloud, uh, it's closer to the source. I think that that's a huge uh, variable in, in terms of the, the performance and access you're getting uh, from the system. Uh, I will also say that, you know, we've always, the, the cloud to be cloud or not to be cloud is, is, is something that's been well debated, but nowadays I think using cloud um, to give you that additional processing power, because uh, it's just beyond storage, but it's the processing power that you're actually using in that environment, and, and the cloud gives organizations a much more flexibility um, to, to expand and have better uh, performance in terms of the capability, then as well as to scale up or scale down the systems to, to control infrastructure costs. Um, we also like to kind of refer to data infrastructure, right, as, as a company. The data infrastructure that people have today are completely, uh, have to be re-architected, right, especially in, in this midst of uh, uh, digital transformation. You have people that are still going to, migrating towards the microservices architecture, looking at how they're going to leverage GPUs in the future um, to, to have better performance and scalability. Um, they're also looking from the perspective of how do I make the accessibility to the data when they do analysis that much easier. Um, so these are all the, all of the challenges, um, which, which I wouldn't say these are all new challenges, but it's something that at Gemini we've learned early on because our roots are around scaling and optimizing big data. And, and it, we knew that from the very early on when we started the company in 2015 that these weren't easy things to do. And as we progressed in the company and working with customers around the world, we also looked at kind of what are the ways to actually architect in the best way uh, to, without data movement and uh, making sure that the analysis speed is at the right level to, to get the results or action you're looking for. Very good, very good. Okay, well, that, that's, that's the good information. Um, let, let's kind of wrap in terms of the Gemini piece, kind of where we, maybe we should have started. And I would say that, um, so why go co-found Gemini? Well, you know, what, why are you here right now? What, what made you or prompted or the, was the trigger point to say, look, the, the industry needs this right now? Um, as I mentioned, I was an early spawn from zero customers that went well above 1,000 customers. And I got to see firsthand how fast big data was being adopted. But the things that's really struck with me in working with clients was their, their level of, uh, of um, excitement around getting the data, but it was also the, their confusion and how am I actually going to use this information? How can I make this easier? And that's, for me, with Gemini, um, along with the uh, former uh, co-founder and CEO Splunk and a few others that we worked together, started this company to say, let's look at it as a more broader perspective of how information is coming and how can we actually connect the dots for the line of business. That's the ultimate line that we were trying to pull, or excuse me, the, the, the ultimate route that we're trying to go after is making this information much more ac actionable and accessible for line of business owners. Because I think the in the middle where IT teams are there, they can extract information, but the big challenge today is how do you transform this data to line of business owners and how they can actually make sense from it. So that's, that's the starting point, because I think the big data environments was a starting point, like let's get this information, it's usable, and I think we're stuck in that middle piece of how am I going to make this usable for, for the business. And, and that's really what I'd like to accomplish with, with, uh, with uh, Gemini. And we're starting to do that with our ADI platform and in the future deliver this in a much more automated way. So it, you, we've talked about a lot. So if I'm a client listening out there and I'm you know, trying to get my head around this, 
what do you say are a few trigger points in their mind they should think, hey, I should call uh, Gemini Data about this? I mean, if they got what question or whatever, what, when, when should they reach out to you? Yeah, if you're looking at digital transformation and try to connect your silos of data that you've collected over the past five to ten years, uh, that's a good trigger point to, to talk to us and, and, and discuss how to move forward in making the, the data more accessible. Um, if you're looking at working in a hybrid environment where you haven't completely bought off with your cloud to go to cloud from on-prem, we have hybrid solutions that can actually extract this information, albeit via uh, our ADI platform that can connect these uh, different data sets together and allow you to uh, do more with your data. Um, and then the last point is, is just, I guess, in a simple way to describe it is if you're looking at a data availability as a challenge to access this data in IT operations, security, or on various line of uh, business owners that, that are tied to finance, uh, we can help you kind of eliminate the, uh, the red tape, as if you will, um, in terms of bringing the information together. Sweetness. I think you hit uh, Gemini very hard. I think it was good. You did, a, did, did the, um, the, the company well. Can I, can I pivot and talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and sure. what you're doing there? So I know yeah. you're an investor and mentor in, in founder.org. Uh, which helps university students around the world launch and maintain new startups. Can you talk about how you got that started? What, what, I mean, is there a, there must be a passion behind that and there must've been a mentor you had or a, uh, I don't know, trouble you had on your way that you're, you're trying to solve. I mean, can you, can you talk about, you know, how you started that and what got you, got you into it? Yeah, uh, there's an organization uh, that uh, was started with uh, uh, Michael Baum, who's the founder and CEO of Splunk, it started an organization to give back uh, to entrepreneurship. And at the time, it was very early days of uh, Gemini were starting to start the company, so I decided to uh, work and help them um, operate that while we were um, uh, getting ready to, to move forward with Gemini. And what really struck me with about giving back and helping and mentoring students within that program was that there's so much knowledge that we, in the, for example, in the enterprise world take for granted and how many eager students are out there that are dying to build business plans or build solutions out there. And so the main driver for me was, was that why not expose more people uh, to the challenges of, of, of enterprises in terms of how they can address and tackle big problems. If you think about it, right, the, the media companies get the glory. Well, I want to build the next Facebook. I want to build the next Snapchat. And there's a lot of those ideas. But the reason those are the, a lot of those ideas is because that's a, at the mass level where people are using them. And so they start thinking about how can I make this better. But, you know, being at IBM, right, and being in the industry, you, I, I think you can agree that there's so many new challenges and new innovative ways that we need to look at it. So for me, it was about that mind expansion of young entrepreneurs to show them the way of how you can tackle those challenges, taking my experience of uh, being across five different startup companies and the, the, helping them avoid the pitfalls um, in terms of where how you go to market with your product to how you start fundraising for, for your company. Uh, this is kind of valuable pieces of information that are not that easy to to understand when you're, uh, for, let's say, a freshman or sophomore um, in college. And I believe that the more people that can actually take that risk when they graduate from college and start a company or tackle a big problem, I think the better off we're going to be as a, not only as a country, but as kind of a society versus keeping everything so locked up. Are you still intimately involved with it? 
I, I, I'm still involved in it, but um, I've reduced the, the amount of time because uh, Gemini is pretty demanding. But That's I, what I'm I take a lot of your time, I presume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I do uh, have involvement where I get uh, quarterly updates from some of the companies uh, that we're involved with. And they're exciting companies. Like one of them, for example, Rapid SOS is, is they're attacking the 911 outdated systems that are out there that they're quite well and, and integrated with Apple and Google and all sorts of other technologies, others that are involved within the space technology. So they're just interesting from that perspective because of the, the uh, audacity that they have to tackle these big challenges. So it was just always exciting to uh, uh, check in quarterly and see how well they're doing. And we've always uh, have maintained good relationships with them that they come to us, but they've kind of gone beyond that early seed stage, to the next level where they're working with other folks that are helping them get to the next level. If, if there was one particular piece of advice or insight for any entrepreneurs out there listening, it uh, doesn't have to be data, but if, whether it's building a business around data or just, you know, kicking up a, a new startup, what would you say it is? The one piece of advice. Overwhelming. Uh, I'm going to say two. <laughs> one is, is to pick the right team member. Make sure that you partner in doing something together with the right team. Uh, you know, we, I have the luxury of, of working with the folks that I've done doing five startups before and bringing and extracting, bringing the right team together. But a lot of times I see young entrepreneurs rushing to it and not really thinking about their team because that you're living with these people day in, day out if they're your extended family. So I can't emphasize how much it means to find somebody that's, that's complementary uh, to what you're, do, what you're doing. And the second thing, which I actually learned from the students that uh, I mentored at uh, founder.org is to not to think small, think really, really big in terms of like the problems that you can address. And if anybody's trying to persuade you that that'll never happen or that won't happen because of regulation, then I think you might have a really good idea because a lot of people <laughs> like to say no, and you got to have to push the envelope a little harder to come up with something big. Nice. Very good. Hey, with the few minutes we have left, I like to do what's called, it's probably my favorite thing to do is the lightning round and ask you a few questions, uh, somewhat of what we just asked in, in terms of your thoughts on leadership, et cetera. If your game, I mean, these are like just a couple sentence an answers uh, just for the audience to get to know you and also maybe get some tips and tricks around leadership or you know whatever else comes up. You game? Yep. All right. Well, this is a this is softball. First of all, what what do you do for fun? I like to mountain bike and hike. Mountain bike and hike. Didn't you say something earlier? I thought you were going to say uh, oh, uh, fishing or or trout fishing or something. You said. Is oh, you said an analogy to the fly fishing. It's on my list to do, but I haven't perfected that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and me both. All right, uh, what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of my uh, uh, family and having the ability to to start Gemini. Really excited. Years of work to to get this going. What is the best leadership advice you've ever received? Know your people. Um, working with people and spending time on understanding not only at a personal level what makes somebody tick, but what's driving them at a professional level is really kind of the, 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 the one key tip that I've had from the beginning is if you kind of engage and can connect with people who have the right chemistry, uh, you can do a lot of cool things. But if you're just if you're just treating everybody just the, you know in terms of like a number and, and it's just a standard process, you're not you're not gonna, a not going to build the best teams, but you're going to have a struggle because you don't have that personal connection. By the way, as an editorial, I think you're spot on with the team and your suggestions around 
people because um, I mean I think if for, for to accomplish anything significant, it is very important to have a, a great accountability partner or accountability team. Uh, you see most of uh, the 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 startups and, and some of the great leaders we have, even in, in tech, they, they always have a counterpart. It's usually a, a two-headed monster very often. All right, so what uh, what is the best mentor you've had, and why was that individual one of the best mentors? Yeah, one of the best mentors uh, is uh, working with, with Michael, who's a former founder and CEO of Splunk. I mean, we spent a lot of time together in the early days of Splunk when people laughed us out of meetings until because they could understand the company's name and technology. But, uh, but, <laughs> but working with him in those early days was really uh, a, a great experience from the perspective of how to actually understand uh, customer requirements and translate that effectively and quickly to your engineering teams to make sure that you're in line and building a really a sales-driven engineering culture uh, to make sure that uh, you're connecting and, and, and bringing the right relevant uh, strategy uh, to the table. So it's been great working with him. Any good failures you've learned from? Yeah, the, I think this one said a lot. I don't think uh, I believed it until you go through it, but sometimes when you're building a business and you really have uh, uh, an idea and you want to perfect it. And then that whole saying is goes, you know, fail fast, fail early. Um, if you're trying to build a company or if you're trying to do a specific strategic strategy within your company, um, just go do it. Don't analyze it to death um, because you're going to figure out quickly. In our case, we had some go to market strategies that I wanted to try uh, in international markets. And, uh, and we just went after and did it quickly. Um, and in some cases, we spent some, too much time on it. And we, the ones that we actually um, failed on, we were already on and doing a different strategy that's proving to be successful. But just fail early um, because you'll see the results better because you don't have too much time, especially in an early stage or fast-growing company, uh, to overanalyze things. What about the number one thing you want to learn right now? The number in relation to technology business or could be anything could be anything. This is this, there's no rules. <laughs> wow, that's that's a vast one. I would say the number one thing that pops to mind that I actually would like to learn is um, we do a lot of business in the Middle East, so I'd like to learn a Arabic as a language. <laughs> that wow, that, that that is a lofty goal. <laughs> that's my lofty goal. Um, I think the other aspect of it. Uh, that I'd, I'd like to to advantage is, is to have more uh, um, you know flexibility in terms of learning more about this quantum computing and how it's going to change things uh, from a business perspective and how it can be impactful in the future because there's a lot of uh, noise and buzz around that but uh, learning more about that would be interesting. That's a good answer. So last question and then I'll, I'll save you after this one. What does your future hold? I mean, what, what, what's the horizon look like for you? For me, hopefully, we will be continuing successful uh, uh, at Gemini here, but one of the things I'd like to get back to uh, at certain point is back to the social um, aspect of what we started doing with, with, with Founder.org. I'd like to not go back and actually help others build companies or help uh, kind of contribute back to uh, developing companies. That's a, a true passion for me is introducing new technology uh, to the market, I think uh, is, is some people might call it boring or too much of a risk taking, but that that's where I like taking bold new things to market and helping others accomplish that goal uh, in the future is something that I'd like to do. Nicely done. So Tony Ayaz, thank you so much for, for being with us today. 
I think we hit on a lot of good points. We broke down some of the technology around Gemini. Uh, I think the lightning round was, uh, was very good too. So thank you. I appreciate you taking your time today. And uh, where's the best place that the audience can, can find you? Yeah, I'm uh, Tony at GeminiData.com. Uh, and of course, you can go to GeminiData.com as well for information, uh, but very easily accessible and uh, appreciate to everybody that's uh, listening to this podcast. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Tony. For everybody else, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out.